Alexandria, Virginia. Here on the bank of the Potomac River is a lighthouse that dates back to the 18th century. And hidden within the seawall of the house is a rather curious monument. It's a three-foot-tall stone block that was placed in this location to mark the southern boundary of the District of Columbia. The boundary stones surrounding the district, those are still out there. You can find those boundary stones all over the area, in the middle of streets, in people's backyards, in parking lots. They demarcate what is federal territory for the city and what is Virginia and Maryland. Thomas Jefferson actually was the one who said, let's make the lines surrounding the city the shape of a diamond sitting on its point. So that was his contribution. That's why we have the shape we do today. All told, there are 40 boundary stones surrounding Washington, D.C. In 1791, each stone was carefully placed by a group of local Freemasons in an elaborate ritual under the orders of then-President George Washington. They form an area that is precisely 10 miles long by 10 miles wide, defining the original borders of the District of Columbia. And there are those who believe that the careful geometry of America's capital held deep significance for the Founding Fathers. There are some people who would equate the relationship between those boundary stones that surround the city, that diamond shape, with the Masons having designed the square and compass, their symbol, into the pattern of the city. The geometry and the meaning behind numbers and symbols are part of what's known as sacred geometry and was standard practice for artists and architects at the time. So it's a methodology and a technique. Is the diamond shape of the District of Columbia actually a Freemason symbol hiding in plain sight? And if so, what purpose does such an unusual configuration serve? Perhaps the answer can be found by examining how the Founding Fathers oversaw the construction of the nation's capital city that lies within the district. In March 1791, President Washington appointed French architect Pierre-Charles L'Enfant to design the city. Washington became deeply involved in approving L'Enfant's designs. He got the guy hired and was very, very interested in the design of the city. European capital cities were chaotic. Their streets changed names every 10 feet, and they followed strange paths and creeks. Well, Washington said, this new city won't be that. It'll be a utopian city, a planned city. And so it's not surprising that when L'Enfant was designing this very geometric, very balanced federal city, that there are many, many layers of Masonic symbolism. There are very few cities in the world that are intentionally designed as fully as Washington. The interesting thing is that quite often the assumption is that there's a gridded street system 
and then these avenues were laid on top to connect topography or significant points. That's just the opposite of what Lafon actually did. He laid out the angled avenues first, and then the grid grew out of that. Washington and the founders and Pierre L'Enfant wanted to physically embody the geometry in the pattern of the city itself. When you look at the city top down, you will see plenty of geometric shapes as a result of these interactions. So triangles, rectangles, circles, you name it. What's the idea behind it? Geometry is a synonym of masonry. The universal symbol of Freemasonry has the compasses, the square, and then you have the letter G. And the letter G is the initial of geometry because we in Freemasonry refer to the deity as the grand architect of the universe or the grand geometrician. In other words, through symbols, deep thoughts are conveyed. Did the Founding Fathers encode Freemason symbols into the streets and buildings of Washington, D.C.? And if so, what is the meaning of these messages that they left behind for future generations? There are those who believe that a clue can be found by closely examining the U.S. Capitol building. The city of Washington is divided into four quadrants. At the intersection of the four quadrants, it's called point zero, is the United States Capitol. The U.S. Capitol is elevated on a hill. And the idea here is that this is where the people and the states come together, not one person like a king. And it was to remind all future members of Congress, your mission is not about power. Your mission is to serve the people by promoting their happiness, their peace, and their prosperity. Welcome back to episode 37 with Waking Up With Mel. Today, we're going to talk about how the Illuminati Freemasons, I've been calling this series, uh, I guess this is going to be a part three, the Illuminati Illusion Invasion. It's adding, it's getting more names. But basically, the reason I added the illusion is because Satan is just a copycat and he's going to be defeated. And God always wins. So I may, I found this clip yesterday that I first want to start with some encouragement because this topic that we get into, it gets dark. It, you know, parents, don't let your kids listen to this stuff if you're trying to shield them from um, the type of darkness that's in the world because this is going to be pretty heavy today. And we're going to talk about some things. And I'm going to tie in today how the Freemasons, the Illuminati, and Satanism is one thing. It's all tied together. But before we go down that road and who these Illuminati Freemasons, and remember, Freemasonry, okay, and the Illuminati is like your hand and a glove. They work together. So they are different things, different titles and different things, but you, the Illuminati usually gets their people from the Freemasons. And the higher up you go in these degrees, because usually the lower degree Freemason people are kind of like the lower degree people in churches. 
we are kind of like i for lack of better word the sheep that just aren't smart to the wolves that are running the programs and uh we'll get there but first let's start with this awesome word i heard yesterday um it's just really encouraging and the reason i want to start with this is because the last two episodes have been about the music industry a little bit. We've touched on it, but it was more about, um, you know, these fake preachers. And I really honed in on Billy Graham because he's one of the most famous, uh, probably preachers in the world. And he doesn't leave behind a legacy I think should be honored. If you have done horrible acts to children you should, and you've hung out with pedophiles your whole entire life and didn't turn them in. <laughs> that speaks volumes about your character, in my opinion. And so we talked a lot about that. And it got me thinking a lot about people that I've put um, my trust into over the last even couple years. And I, of course, I've always hung my hat on Jesus. But I truly believe in prophets. And I truly believe prophets can be false and they can be real and you have to line it up with the word of God. And unfortunately, what I've been realizing is a lot of these people are really good at manipulating one Bible verse. And we have to take the Bible in content in context. So you have to read the whole chapter. And I've heard a lot of people who, you know, they let's for instance, I'm going to give you guys a quick Bible study on the King James Bible we have here in America. It's 66 different books. Now that should bring flags to you right there. Why are there not 67 or 68 or 69? Why is there not 80 like there is in Egypt or over 80 in their Bible? Because they never took anything out. And where are these books they took out and why did they take them out? And so once you start really searching that out, you start to see that it's because they want you to only have half the story. And that's not okay because that makes you not be able to operate with the full um, story. So for example, if you are married and you think you're happily married and your husband has another family, you don't get that full story and that's not fair to you, right? Same thing with the Bible not being complete with them taking out these books and only leaving you the six, six, <laughs> But these 66 books, they have 40 different authors, okay? So the Bible isn't one big book compiled together. Like people like to compare books, which are fine. I mean, you can compare authors to each other. But when you get to the book of Revelations, it's authored by John. And he sees these visions and stuff. And he writes it down in the book of Revelations. And at the end of his book, he says, no one should add to this book. And he's talking about Revelations. And so a lot of people take that one chapter and they're like, oh, you can't add anything to the Bible. Don't read the book of Jasher and don't read all the books mentioned in the Bible. It, people need to start thinking for themselves a little bit more. And I have to admit the last few years, I really thought things were going to happen differently because of the prophets. And I didn't search out God until just like the last, I don't know, six months or so. I knew I have to have faith that the world's going to get better and not worse. But the Bible does talk about the end times and it is going to get bad. But he also talks about the whole world, you know, getting better and doing these things, you know, like um, doing greater works than him. And I've heard so many prophets of the past talk about baseball stadiums being full. I've probably heard 10 prophets say that. So to, to me, that confirms something in God, like 
People aren't going to be watching sports. They're going to be full of people giving their lives to Jesus. Then a rapture likely will happen. And then the people left behind are going to have a really hard time. It's not going to be fun. And then a fake Jesus is going to come. But none of us really know how it's all. None of us really have God figured out, right? But we got the church backwards and we've been idolizing Billy Graham's and preachers and um, churches and, and you are the church. So that's what I wanted to play with you guys, play before we start this podcast, because the Illuminati, they've taken the Bible and twisted it. And I'm going to read you how, and they worship, they worship giants, they worship demons, and they put their symbols as I started this podcast with all over Washington, D.C. And a lot of people don't know what the Washington Monument is. Well, it's a penis, guys, and I'll explain that. So a lot of people have pictures of penises and went and traveled across. It's, and we'll get there. Let me just get there. Hold on. So when, when what church is supposed to be like, we've all been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And when we come together, we're all supposed to move in them to build up the body of Christ. So... Um, prophets are supposed to prophesy and someone in the crowd might get get some prophecies too but the prophets that are established in that congregation are supposed to judge it and and say yeah that's from the Lord or mm, no I think you're missing it now they're not going to kill you if you're wrong but you know you might be trying you know I've done a few prophetic things not very often but once in a while I've blessed people and I just felt like and led by God to tell somebody something and I didn't know that I was answering the prayer that they were praying for and God just used me um, so, and then there might be established teachers. Do you have a teaching? But there might be some people in the congregation that have a teaching too, and they should share it. And all should be done to the edification. And, and, and maybe some people are sick. Is anybody here sick? Okay. Anybody got the healing, healing gift? Okay. Come up here. Let's see. Let's heal him. Right. Okay. Um, oh, someone needs some help. Okay. Is there any helpers here? You know, God may say, Bless somebody. Say, hey, we got extra food. If anyone's hungry, come to our house. We'll give it to you. Or maybe someone needed money to pay taxes and got to bless somebody. Hey, we got a surplus. We'll help you. You know, um, someone needed help. I'll help you. Hey, I'm a widow. I need this done. Maybe my yard weeded. Hey, I'll do it. You know, all that was supposed to happen in a local group of believers that knew each other and lived to, lived by each other and worked by each other and broke bread together. When was the last time you were in a church service like that? I know I never have. And I grew up absolutely hating church. I got in fights with my mom over church. She slapped me in the face once because I didn't want to go to church. When I was in my 20s, I thought I was brainwashed. And I had to find God and Jesus on my own. I really did. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s, I'm now in my middle 40s, that I finally said, God, just take over my life. And I did it in a church that brought Franklin Graham, whose father wasn't very cool and neither was Franklin, <laughs> to my church and Chuck Smith and all the people that I'm now connecting all these dots with. So you can be saved by Billy Graham because Billy Graham gave you the word of God, but not because of Billy Graham. And here's where the problem lies is if you start to go look up things about Billy like I have and take lots of different screenshots of him and all his weird handshakes and all his books, not one of him has big print of Jesus, Jesus Christ, not one. 
It all is Billy, 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 Billy. And I think that's another sign that people should look out for in their own churches and congregations. If your heart is saying, ugh, something's not right here, then something's not right there, guys. Something's not right. And I, you don't have to go to a church to be saved. Now, I'm going to stop there because I love going to church and worshiping and doing all the things. But then there's also the part where they make you feel real guilty about tithing. And if you don't give 10% of your income, to, you're not going to be blessed. And there is that part that I just question. And is it biblical? And then they always try to throw biblical thing, like one chapter to, to you know, why you need it. And then the head of these churches, a lot of the time, are trafficking freaking children. Like we are paying, you know how many Catholics pay 10% of their hard-earned money to Vatican? You know how many Christians do it in these big old mega churches that purposely shut down during COVID and took millions of dollars from the government? It's insane to me. And then we got the 501c3 that keeps their lips locked about simple things like abortion because if the church was awake and speaking up and wasn't controlled by the Illuminati, we wouldn't have so many dead kids that didn't get to get to fulfill their destinies whose lives were cut short because Satan's a freaking liar. And he tells these moms that they'll be better off when really they're not. Now they have trauma and now they have a child that they killed. And I have to stop right there and say, I know a lot of people that have an abortion and God and your child forgives you, but do you have, do you admit what you've done. A lot of people don't. A lot of people do nowadays. And I think it's awesome. But I see so many women and I've lost friends over this that try to justify murder instead of saying I was wrong. I was lied to. And I'm going to be one of the people to stop it because my baby's life matters. I mean, we over here grown black people's lives matter. BLM black lives matter. But what about BLM baby's lives matter? Babies lives matter too, just as much as someone out of the womb. Anyways, I'm going off in the wrong direction here. Um, okay. So I want to read you now some books I found online, free online guys. If you like to read, I found just some about 800 pages. So let's start. All right. So everything is linked to God in this life. Everything. I believe so many things we don't understand because people don't read the Bible. I really, truly do believe that. And that's why it's so easy to lie to people. You take the Bible out of school, then you can educate in the way you want in your satanic system. And then they don't know any of the wiser. And here we are supporting their system. So this book is called Antichrist Osiris. Again, it's free online, several hundred pages, um, over 500, but it is good. And it talks about, and I'll put the link in my description box, um, Nimrod. Now, Nimrod is in the Bible, and he's the guy who did Babel. I have actually a podcast about Nimrod. If you want to go listen more about Nimrod, I have a whole podcast about him. And I get into the book of Jasher, and it talks about his murder there. And he was murdered by Esau, and that's why Esau sold his birthright to his brother Jacob. Because Esau was so tired, apparently, after killing Nimrod and all those big dudes that he thought he was going to die anyway and just went home and sold his birthright to his brother for a bowl of stew. Okay, so that's the story in the Bible. Well, let's hear the twisted story that the Egyptians tell because this is full-on interesting. Um, Okay, now first let's talk about giants. The giants are Old Testament, and it talks about the giants. I truly believe like Zeus... We have to do a podcast about that because Zeus is so linked to Satan and he, there's even a throne of Satan, Zeus. It's very interesting, but 
Giants, if you don't think they're real, they're real. Smithsonian loves to hide the fact. And you know what I don't think is real? And this might be controversial to some of you. I don't believe in dinosaurs. I think dinosaurs are a bunch of BS. They're not mentioned in the Bible once. Nobody And look this up yourself. They've not once found a full-on skeleton. They made they put them together themselves and made casts and shown you what to believe. But they've never found one altogether. <laughs> it's stupid, in my opinion. But giants, they're real. Okay? And maybe they're real big animals because of the giants. But I do not believe in the whole dinosaur thing that they teach us in history. Okay. Anyways, I digress. Um, so in the, the Bible, what happened is Satan and his minions decided to come down. They liked the way women looked. They had sex with women. They had giants. They bore giants. Giants could not, uh, God did not create giants. That's why you see God telling the Israelites to kill a lot of men, women, and children because they were not created by God. Um, God created everything for its perfect order. Stars, the sun, the moon, us, the angels. I hear a lot of people say, oh, when someone dies, did they get their angel wings? No, you don't get your angel wings. You stay human. You're not, you're not, you don't change creation, but you can, if you're an angel and you want to come mate with a human, you're going to make your own creation. And they went against God in the, the most insane way. And the book of Enoch says that because they did this, they created demons and demons are here to kill still and destroy. And that's what the Bible teaches us. So Nimrod, he says that when he died and I have never heard the story until I read it here. And then guess what? I freaking found the same exact story. You guys, and let me click over. You might hear some clicking on this. Is it what? government website is this um local government library of congress they have a 222 page of the origin of the freemasons and the knights templar because if you don't know our founding fathers were all freemasons i don't know if they were all satanic because like i said not all freemasons are but the higher up you go the more you learn who they worship. And you'll might hear him use the same Christian words, father, but do they say Jesus? They might say father. You might hear him say, Oh, like a Hollywood movie star when they get their, their idol, their globe, their golden globe. And they hold it up and they say, I thank God. What God do they think? If they're not saying Jesus, they ain't thinking the same God you do if you're a Christian, if you get my drift. Anyways, the Library of Congress, 22, 222 pages, and on the 33rd page, they will back up what I'm about to read you from the Antichrist of Cyrus. Okay, so first, let's start about Illuminati. So Illuminati are the light worshipers or light bearers or whatever the hell they think they are. And so back in the, this book, um, what, I'm on page 99 of this book, um, Osiris, Antichrist Osiris. It says, Worship of Light. It is known that the Babylonians became involved in idolatry. They feared another flood, dreaded the clouds, and turned to sun worship. Not only that, and yoga, by the way, is sun worship. They don't worship the S-U-N. They worship, or they worship the S-U-N, not the S-O-N. So when I used to teach it, I would have to tell myself who I'm worshiping, but they 
purposely like do sun salutations and all this stuff in yoga. So if you think yoga is okay, you should listen to my yoga episode and just hear my journey about yoga. Um, okay. Anyways, do you love, you must love me for being here because I taught, I go down so many rabbit trails and you guys are still here. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, so they feared that they turned to sun worship. Not only that, they worshiped all forms of light. Kush and Nimrod likely imposed this because their firsthand knowledge of the watchers. Remember, it had been written in the Bible that the fallen angels were, will appear as beings of light. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, and enjoy human worship. Colossians two eighteen. The Bible, the disciple John tells us on two occasions that there is a true light insinuating that there is also a light that must not be true. John 1, 9 and 1 John 2, 8. The Bible refers to a false light. Satan himself masquerades as the angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. The people's religion at Babylon was a search of false light. Their only goal was to come to the light. The phrase become one with the light is now a new age motto. We can see it begin in the first great organization organized movement against God to seek the light of angels, which is not true light of the Lord, which is, which in a way denies God, the fallen watchers, the post flood world were again up to deceit, manipulation, and their desire to be as gods and to be worshiped. The people of Babel were, were well deceived. Okay. So I am now going to skip ahead a little bit. All right. And you might've heard of Babylon before. If you're not a Bible reader, you might not but they call um, America and other countries the little Satan or, um, you know, they compare us to Babylon. I've heard that been said by many preachers before. So it says, and now I'm on page 100, and it says, Monster Makers. Things had become very satanic in Babylon. Ham, Cush, and Nimrod had obviously understood and followed the writings of the Great Pyramid. The, the pre-flood ancients had forwarded their knowledge and on how to summon the Watchers. There were instructions of using magic rituals, proper construction of a temple, and necessary timings of things by astronomy. And you will see this so much, so much in the New Age. Okay, so now it's going to get into like a little, a little graphic, but it says, History tells us at the top of the ziggurats, chosen females are taken to the bedrooms of gods. We can fill in the blanks. More giants were born. Similar things were happening in Egypt. Okay, so... The Osiren mystery. He suggests that the queen's chamber with the great within the great pyramid was likely an ancient Egyptians perform their sexual rituals. The writings of the ancient Egyptians themselves back this up. Remember, the great pyramid was associated with the bin bin stone, meaning seething of the womb. The pyramid text, the compilation and seeding rituals were said to occur precise, precisely when the star Cyrus crossed the, the meridian at sunrise. It would then be shining down on the southern shaft of the queen's chamber. The pyramid text further state that at this time the great door of heaven would be open and that the sky would be united with the ground. Today, some of the passages of the pyramid have been opened and tourists can enter the king's chamber where there still sits a coffer platform. Few know, however, that when the Great Pyramids was first opened, there was also a coffer in the queen's chamber. It was stolen long ago and is now lost, probably residing in someone's private collection. Was this platform an altar where the female victim was laid? Within the Great Pyramid, 
are the supposed ventilation shafts that some say help to accurately line up the stars necessary for the watchers to be summoned. The Great Pyramid seems to be a giant machine meant for summoning the watchers, a machine whereby gods are created. This is interesting that some astronomers say that about 6,000 years ago, the stars cited that the north ventilation shaft in the constellation of Draconos, a.k.a. the dragon, uh, the constellation of the Draconos is a great serpent that is pictured to have a flock of sheep in its coital, co oh, sorry, in its coil tail, and it is preparing it to feast. A rather satanic image, especially when we consider that Christians and Hebrews are symbolized in the Holy Bible as a flock of sheep. <sighs> okay, it goes on, but now I'm going to take you guys down a little bit more to how is the Washington Monument a penis? I bet you some of you are wondering this. All right, so now I'm down to page 104, and we're going to talk, I'm going to kind of go quickly over this because it's not even true because it's not in the book. I believe in Jasher is true and not this because the Bible mentions Jasher twice and this is just made up in Egyptian folklore. So it says that um, Shem was invited over to some Egyptian celebration where he then took um, Nimrod and put him in a uh, casket. He, it was like a bet here. Actually, let me just read it to you guys. Shem, the oldest son of Noah, remained true to the Lord and carried on the precisely traditions of his father. Legend has it that their families had remained on the homesteads near the foot of the Mount Ararat. So that's where the Noah's Ark has been found. To this, I mean, look it up. It's been found. People think the Bible's like myths and it makes me laugh because you can tell, you can tell people who don't study things because they make fun of it. And it's like... <laughs> And then us that have studied it are laughing because you're like, you can tell that you think you're so smart, but you're really not. Um, and, you know, we all have things to learn. And so if you're over here thinking you know everything, you're what's called a narcissist. Speaking of narcissists, I have to tell you guys a story real quick. So 2020 happens and I'd been praying when my time should be to leave yoga because when I started it, I had a lot of Christians and just go back to my podcast saying, don't do yoga. Don't do yoga. You shouldn't do yoga. You're going to open the doors to demons, blah, blah, blah. So I had to learn about it. I didn't know anything about Hinduism. I didn't know anything about anything because I grew up a Christian. So I think that's why God took me down that road is to teach me about these people and what they believe and to be around them and love them. You know, I didn't hate anybody because they were Hindu. I just wanted to bring Christ to them. So I would, I would try to, you know, play Christian music, which would run out some witches and um, every, every day I was thinking about this today, every day I'd go into that studio, it was a hot yoga studio, so it stunk anyway, but I'd open up the doors and I would spray frankincense and myrrh and cast out the demons because I knew demons were there. I knew they resided there. Um, you know, it's, but a lot of people don't and they're just over there omen and on and ooing and all the crap they do in yoga and, you know, putting their body in these shapes, not realizing what they're doing and what they're worshiping and what they're opening themselves up to. And I saw so many people go down the Kundalini road. It was pretty crazy. And they use Kundalini like it was not a big deal. And then you would see depression and things come into their lives. Kundalini is no joke. You guys should really know what that is. If you don't, it is a spirit. It's a serpent spirit. And if you welcome it in, you got to kick that sucker right back out. Sometimes you got to cut the head off of it. Just be like, I'm cutting the head off this thing. I don't even want it. You know how many times I repented for teaching yoga? Because I never want to lead anybody down the wrong road. That's why the whole time I try to speak up too, you know, as a Christian. But anyways, 
I prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally the time came where it's time to leave because of COVID. Thank God for COVID, really. So COVID hits. The studio closes one day, and it was the last class I ever taught. It was a Wednesday, and it was right before they announced the forever close. And so they're starting to get all weird about COVID, and the two owners at that time, they didn't believe in it. They were like, oh, whatever, stupid. Nothing can live in this hot room, they told the whole class. I'm not kidding you. Two days later, when the news broke that everything's shutting down, the, one of the owners came in with a with bleach, and he was spraying everything we touched with bleach. And he was like, "We can't touch our faces. We can't do this. We can't do that." So the same owner, we used to like do you know practice massage and stuff like that, like um, Thai massage after class and things like that. And so we had a connection. We were I always thought of him like my big brother or my dad figure. And uh, one day when COVID hit, everybody turned on me. And this one chick in particular, she thought she was the most educated thing because she was wearing a mask and I was telling people not to. And she was like, girl, do you need some education? And I said, if you're telling me you're going to educate me and you're a teacher, I'm going to take a hard pass on your education. And I think that's where we're at now in the whole world is we need to relearn that just because these people sit there and say they're educated doesn't mean they are. Just because I'm over here and I have a podcast and I'm teaching you things that I've learned doesn't mean I know everything. I don't. I don't know anything. If there's a pile of of a billion marbles, I probably know five of them. You know what I mean? Like we're all learning from each other. And it's a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful time, but there's no reason to bash or trash somebody because you don't believe something that they've learned because you haven't learned it yet. I used to not believe in chemtrails, guys. Still, some people don't, but we know they're real. I digress. So back to Shimanoa. <laughs> oh, I love my pod. I love doing podcasts. You guys should really do it. Every time. So my grandfather, he left this book. And it's called God's Arms Around Us, written by William Mallon. It's about his time in World War II. Stuck, concentration camps, I mean, polio, all of it. Anyways, his book changed my life. And I'm so glad he wrote it and left it behind. And I think that often when I do these podcasts, I don't really do them for now. I do them for like 10 years from now when people are like just waking up or just learning or, you know, hopefully we're still around 10 years from now. I think we will be, but... I do it for the future. I do it for my children. I do it for many reasons. And it's not to be famous because every time I go to look at my podcast to see like if anyone's listening, <laughs> I click on it and that you can see your stats. And um, I'm like, I hope it's still up. I hope it's still up. I hope it's not deleted. <laughs> Sucks. We live in this type of world. All right, back to Shimanoa for reals. Um, so they are over there at Mount Ararat. Without a doubt, we would have been, we would have reached both Noah and Shem regarding the abomination of Babylon. So he's saying, without a doubt, they would have known what's going on in Babylon with all the witchcraft and everything with uh, Nimrod. So now we're going to read what the Egyptians believe happened with Nimrod. The Egyptians' version of this encounter between Shem and Nimrod goes like this: It was decided that Shem or Set to the Egyptians, so his name was set to the Egyptians, was to appear before the giant king. And if you listen to my Nimrod episode, I don't know if he's a giant or if he just wore those 
fancy plants God gave him, the ones that he made for Adam and Eve and gave him power because that's what the book of Jasher says. I don't know if he was both. I don't know. But anyways, it says a banquet and celebration were arranged. Tradition tells us that Egyptian celebration was held on our October 31st, like this Assyrian Arshama and the Greek you guys, I can't say these words. Alkalone. <laughs> That's why I spell everything for you. It was named after Pleiades. The celebration that Shem was invited was the shining season of Pleiades, which the Egyptian day of the dead. The festival, the festival we early spe earlier speculated was in remembrance of the onset of Noah's flood. A gift set had been made, a very large, eloquent, jeweled, studded chest. After the feast, the chest was shown. Everyone at the feast admired the jewel box. Set declared that it was meant to be awarded to whoever could fit in it. Everyone at the feast climbed inside, one after another, but everyone there was far too small. No one came close to fitting in it. Iris warned Osiris, her husband, not to go in it, but he laughed and said that he had nothing to fear from his weak brother. Osiris climbed into the sarcophagus and the lid was slammed shut by set and his conspirators it was nailed down and sealed shut with molten lead according to the poultryarch this happened in the 28th year of nimrod's reign palace and then and now we go into some worship it's called p-a-l-l-u-s worship palace worship after Shem locked Osiris in the sarcophagus it was thrown into the Nile River locked inside Nimrod drowned so as you can see, Osiris is Nimrod, okay? It came to rest on a riverbank, and a tree slowly grew to encompass it. A local king eventually had the tree cut down, taken to his home to use as a pillar. Isis, who had been searching for Osiris's corpse, retrieved the tree, which had Osiris within it. Isis Tonth, T-H-O-T-H, then embalmed Osiris' body, the first mummification. After this point, it became the Egyptian custom to mummify the dead, all in hopes that later bodily resurrection. After Osiris is mummified, Shem discovers that something is going on with the body. If there was a possibility of resurrection, he had to stop it. He returns and cuts up Osiris's body into 14 pieces, and he then sets the pieces to all of Osiris's kingdoms to show people they were free from this abominable tyrant. It does not end here. However, this is where we get to the penis, guys, in case you're wondering. Isis again searches and eventually gathers all but one of the pieces. One of the pieces she could not find. It was the penis. Legend tells us two catfish ate it. Still hoping to somehow bring Osiris back to life, Isis reassembles the body with the help of Taunth, the fan corpse. They fanned the corpse. F-A-N, the corpse. Okay. Okay. So they fan. I don't even know what that means. To me, in my head, that means like you take a fan, but maybe it means to put it back together. Anyways, warm it to life. Okay. And are able to retrieve essence of Osiris, not the quote unquote seed, as there are no genitals. This is insanity to me that this is what these Illuminati people believe. This is why I'm telling you guys this because I just told you this is in the Congress records that this is what they believe. Okay. 
Legend tells us Isis next makes a gold replica of Osiris' missing member. She attaches it to the palace. I don't even know what this is. P-H-A-L-L-U-S to Osiris and somehow conceives a child, Horus. And then they try to say this is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is how much Satan wants to blasphemy God. The Egyptian's legend describes a means of producing a child where the seed produces a member of a male is absent, just like Jesus' story. But instead, the male essence is obtained and pregnancy is achieved. Today, this would seem like a modern genetic engineering or cloning. Keep this in mind as we explore this in the future, because guess what they're doing now, guys? So then Miss Isis, she takes her golden penis and she buries it at Mendes, at M-E-N-D-E-S, Mendes, where a great temple was built in honor of Osiris and his dingling. <laughs> That's literally what this book says. That's so funny. Oh, there the goat god was worshipped. The goat chosen because of its supposed sexual prow- prowess. Wow. In medieval days of the witches, the devil was often referred to as the goat of Mendes. Oh, this is all making sense now. And the temple, bizarre sex rituals were performed. Okay, guys, here we get into the... Now, this explains so much of the goats, of all this pagan sexual crap they do to children. If you guys don't know how they break children, you should, because it's freaking horrible. And having a child every single day, I'm like, how could they freaking do this? I don't, you have to be inhuman. You have to be. They wait. They love bomb the baby. They treat him right, basically. Um, these are the elites. I don't know about everybody because um, I think basic witches don't even have the capability to love, according to John Collins that I've been sharing or John Todd. But... I, the Illuminati, they got a whole program on breaking these kids. And what they do is they, and this is uh, mind control programming. Look it up. This is how they create uh, the, 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 where you have, don't have the same personalities. Why can't I think of that name right now? DID. Anyways, um, they take these babies. They're born. They love them like they should. And then right around when they're speaking and they're sweet little, just hug a bug us. Right around 18 months, they start locking him. Like, look at Christy Teigen's um, tweet that she wrote about locking her kid in the basement. It's kind of it's kind of gross, right? Ah, oh, these people. I just want to punch them in their face. Like, I hope they get everything they've ever done to a kid times seven. Because they don't deserve to, in my opinion, be alive. Let alone over here tweeting about what they do. Like... Yeah, no, not today, Satan, not today. So these sick people like Christy Teigen and all these people that love to talk about what they do to children, it stems all the way back from this. We have to understand how far back this goes. We are fighting a war of good and evil, and many people don't even know we're in a war. They're more worried about what's on TV, what they've been told by the tele-lie vision, than they do what's about reading and just learning about the truth. So this Isis, she takes the penis and she buries it. And now we have that goat and they do all these sexual rituals. And here it's believed that human women had intercourse with devils and appeared in the form of a goat or ram. Okay. So now we're going to get into the Washington monument. What do you think that is guys? Yeah. So they built these, uh, Osiris, 
the penis uh, obelisks in Egypt, and they also call them Asherah poles in the Bible. And you can find this in Deuteronomy, Kings, Chronicles. The term obelisk, O-B-E-L-I-S-K, originated from the term Baal shaft, okay? Baal's shaft. Baal's a god, and a shaft, you get it, you know what it is, because we've already said the word. So they had regular for, for festivals and orgies that were now held in the name of Osiris Penis. And this is in Romans, Galatians, and Peter, First Peter. Uh, four three Galatians five two one and Romans thirteen thirteen. The Bible, the Hebrew name, the Tall Carved Stones Palace, P H A L L U S E S, for the Canaanite goddess Astra, who is the same person as Isis. Mos- Moses later commanded that all the poles destroyed. Exodus thirty four thirteen, Deuteron- Deuteronomy seven five. Moses also told the Israelites not to take part in the pagan sexual frenzies, and that's in Leviticus 18, Deuteronomy 12, 30, and 31. And later, when the Israelites did did take part and were severely punished, and 24,000 died from the wrath of God, and that's in Numbers 25, the magical sex rituals became a part of ancient mysteries of the pagans. And here we are in the future. All right. Pagans often have this as their symbol their temples houses around the necks and the center of their villages now what if we look into washington dc the home of washington's monument and then look at vatican in the middle of st peter's square we see the egyptian obelisk it must be noted that st peter's square is really a circle which is the pagan symbol for you guessed it the vagina And when the palace appears in the circle, it represents a very act of compilation. Another technique, quite simply, is that the point of circle was the Egyptian sign of the sun, therefore the sign of Osiris. Did those who put the symbol there understand the meaning of their actions? Is there any paganism in America? Is there any in Roman Catholicism? We will see. All right, that's what the book says. And now I'm going to say we will see as we have gone on through time that the answer to that question is yes. These people are sick and they want to show you all their sick symbols and they're more than happy to do it. And y'all, this is just the tip of an iceberg of sickness. And that's why there are prophecies that God is going to destroy all these monuments. And last year, right around this time on my child's first birthday, you know what he did? He destroyed the Georgia Guidestones. So I have faith that he will destroy these monuments and that we will start to understand that these Illuminati roots are so dark and they're so evil and they're very deep. And I was going to take this a little longer, but I'm already almost to an hour. So I figure part three will lie here and we'll pick up again at part four. And I will get deeper into this. This might be like a 20-part series by the time we're done. But you guys need to understand the Illuminati, how deep it goes, and the people involved, and the signs they give you. It's in the music industry, as we started this whole podcast. It's in the preachers. If there's a preacher on TV, don't trust him. If there's a preacher famous on YouTube, kind of trust him. Does his line, does anything he say match up with the word? And if he gives you a scripture... Look it up because today I was watching this uh, right on radio who I love. Uh, 
if he ever hears this, I love you. I think you have the best truth series. He admits when he's wrong, he just speaks up. I love it. But he was showing this preacher that's with the NAR, which is the basically the New World Order Church. And he was giving satanic symbols and using all the Christian language. And he was having people bring conjure demons, basically. And yesterday I was really thinking about it. I'm like, man, all these people that do all these shows on TV, the Benny Hens, the the that lady, the Coleman lady, uh, Kathleen Coleman, I think, or Al, all these preachers that are on TV that act like they're healing people and treat people like shit in real life. They are probably witches that bring on witches to do witch shows on TV. You ever think of that? You ever think you're watching a bunch of BS? Yeah. And the whole speaking in tongues thing, when those people spoke in tongues, I, God put this on my heart right away yesterday. I didn't even get to scripture, so I have to look at the scripture still. But when the, when the, um, the apostles went and they spoke in tongues and they said, oh, these guys are all drunk. They don't know what they're saying. Some people understood the language. I don't know. I'm going to look more into the whole tongue thing. But I really I think they understood what they were saying when they said it. I think God just showed them the tongue to speak to reach the people, if that makes sense. Because they used to be one tongue. They spoke one language. And then at Nimrod, at Babel, the languages turned to 70. And the Egyptians, in order to know your intelligence, and this is in the book of Jasher, they would have you speak languages. And if you could speak 70, you would walk up each step. And if you got to the 70th step, you got to Pharaoh. And that's how Joseph became such a badass. The Bible's awesome, guys. You got to read it. That's the one thing I do this podcast for too, not just for the future, but for people now to say, oh my gosh, she makes me want to read the Bible. And you pick up the Bible and you read it. Father God, I thank you so much for giving me a voice to speak for this podcast, for this platform, for not taking me down. I pray uh, holy protection, a hedge of protection over my podcast. I pray that if I ever have spoken anything that's wrong or misleading, that you correct me and that I can teach what I've been corrected on. I pray that the prophets I have put my hung my hat on are true because I do believe Kim Clements was true. I trust that you still have prophets out here, but I pray that we don't look at them as fortune tellers or medians or uh, people to tell us what to do. I pray that we all turn to you because you have gifted each and every single one of us. And I pray that we fulfill our destinies that you set us here for. And I pray for all the women out there who have ever had an abortion, that they can feel the forgiveness of not just you, but their baby and the love that their baby has for them and the forgiveness they have and let them forgive themselves. And I pray for all the men out there that have been lied to about their masculine masculinity and, you know, their sexuality and all those things that they become the men God created them to be because you have ordained men and women to be very different, but yet work together. So I pray that we just start to do that again. I know the end times will come, but I pray we're not there yet. I pray, I pray Lord that you just give us more time to actually show your will, your way, who you are. I love you so much. In Jesus' name, peace out from Albuquerque.